you, this is Jay Funds One, and I am interviewing one of my favorite podcasts I like to listen to is Wine, Women, and Words. Are you guys drinking wine today? Uh, we are. Technically, I have yet to come to glass, though. Um, but I'm drinking a Temple Vero wine. It's a red wine I've been working on since our last uh, show. And I just finished. It's like the saddest thing in the world when you have an empty bottle. But this is not all from one night, though. I will specify. This has been like the course of a couple of shows. Don't believe it. it. So, so what, what, what kind of wine is that, Michelle? This, it's a Merlot. It's a kin and country. And I, I just finished it. And and it's, it's delicious. I love it. But now it's all gone. So... So what is what is the when you guys talk about wine on your show? What is the like, like, like how much is wine part of the subject matter? I would say it's what about 40 percent. Well, I mean that's what what we did before we started the show. We and I lived in California. Now I'm in Chicago, but when I lived in Orange County and Diana was like twenty minutes away from me. We, what we called them then, we called them sorority nights, and we would go out and spend an obscene amount of money on Chinese food and candy and wine, and we would go back to her house and watch, like, either, like, B-rated horror movies or, like, the girliest, girly chick flicks you could find on Netflix and eat and drink everything. That sounds like so much fun. <laughs> It was awesome. I mean, I I would usually fall asleep on the couch like two hours in, but but it was it was a good time. And that's you know when we decided to start the podcast, we're like, well, we like wine and we like books, so it's it's an equal part, I think, of the show. So, has there been a favorite wine that you guys have podcasted to? I don't know about favorite label, but we have our favorite types. Okay. Um, I think one of my favorite types, I like really bold red wines. Those are my favorites. Um, but I'm also going through a rosé phase. Because right now in Los Angeles, um, everybody's drinking rosé, and I've gotten caught up with the rest of the lemmings. Um, <laughs> I, I kid you not, I went to an outdoor uh, movie a couple months ago, and... Everybody in the audience, everyone was drinking rosé. And I looked around me, like, in the sea of people, there's, I see just glasses and bottles of rosé everywhere. And I'm looking at my bottle of rosé, and I was like, wow, I have never felt more like one of the popular kids in all of my life. Um, so, yeah, I'm going through a rosé phase. <laughs> you know, I don't have wine because I, I didn't get a chance to buy some today. I don't normally have some in the house. I, I need to do that more often because actually I love wine and my my favorite wine I, I prefer whites over reds. Okay. Um, I like lighter wines. I don't I don't like the the uh, all my friends who drink wine say I drink I drink kitty kitty wine because it's like it's not as heavy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love rieslings. <laughs> um, but uh, I do like a nice red when I'm uh, if if I do if I do red is is it is a merlot. I, I, I love the um, the way that it pairs with steak. Mm -hmm. So that's my that's like my favorite. Um, if bacon I if I do steak, I'd have merlot, huh? Bacon mysteries merlot pairs really well with steak and mystery books. So okay, so 
Now, after you guys talk about your wine, what is the what is the um, subject matter of your podcast? What is the where does the women part come in? Wine, women, and words. Um, well, the women technically is Michelle and I, since we're both women. Um, if you guys haven't guessed from listening, <laughs> um, that's that's really where that originated, and and I think a lot of it ended up just morphing into the fact that um, we're. We go to our, our our market, the books that we like, and I guess we tend to like books that most women like. And it's just kind of morphed into bringing in female authors. So we have male authors. We, you know, equal parts um, for authors and just authors that we all generally like. And then I've recently come across the statistic that only 33% of all podcasters are women. Just true. Yeah. That is so true, yes. Wow, we're one of the 33. That's interesting. <laughs> it's like a podcast title right there, but I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> kind of set on my women in words. So, and, so and, and then the words come from, I guess, the, the, those are the books that you guys review. Exactly. And how do you guys decide on which books to, to read? Is it through, like, um, what's, the, what, what's the subject matter? Is it, is it romance novels? Is it mystery um, what do you guys really like to like? What what subject matter would like really get you excited to read about? What do you really look forward to reading? Oh gosh! Well, for the show, we do it all. Um, we we like yeah, to we're, we're yeah. equal opportunity readers and alcoholics. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we like to cover just a, a little bit of everything for the show because we know that there's just a just such a wide variety of different types of books. Um, we love to take them all in. Uh, but for me personally, I am, historical fiction is my jam. That's my favorite genre. And after that, I like urban fantasy and mystery. Mm-hmm. Thriller. And, and Michelle, yours are, I'll let you say yours. Mine, well, mine are thrillers, um, like the murder mystery thrillers, like, um, James Patterson will like always be my go-to number one favorite, but I do have, I've recently discovered a bunch of new thriller writers that are rapidly rising the charts for me. Um, but thrillers are, are my thing. And then, um, fantasy, I guess, I don't know what you like, what you call it? Like fantasy or like, I don't know what speculative fiction is, but that's the genre that our current book is classified as. And I love that. So I guess I like speculative fiction, whatever that is. So what is your so what is your favorite book? Like the book that really like you oh, you would turn a page and you couldn't wait till you get to the next page. That's like asking to pick a favorite child. Yeah, and you see you don't it's hard to ask a bookworm that I answer that they you know how they have that question for security questions uh, periodically and they made the mistake of listing of answering that question and I forgot the password to my account and I had to call in and they're like what's the name of your favorite book I kid you not I listed off five different books and they're like it was none of those and then they're like you put uh the interpreter of maladies down and I was like oh yeah I really love that one too yeah it kind of changes I mean my my current favorite is the one that we that we're reading right now, but I mean, I don't I don't have a, a all okay. time like a, an always favorite. I have a right now favorite. 
I understand that each book provides a different experience that, that you enjoy. Yeah. Okay. Um, speaking of James Patterson, I, it's hard for me to read James Patterson because I grew up a Robert Lutlam fan. Okay. And I like the way Lutlam writes, so whenever I read someone else that writes in the same kind of genre, I I kind of I kind of wanted, wanted them to do it the way Robert Lutlam does it, and it kind of throws me off a little bit. I don't know. I know it's weird, but... No, that's no. that's not weird at all. That's that's like having, you know, a book hangover when you're done, when you finish a book. You can't jump into a new book right away because you're still stuck in that world. Um, but even, like, James Patterson, I'm very picky about which James Patterson I like. I like the Alex Cross series and the Michael Bennett series, but I've fallen behind on Michael Bennett. But... I, I get what you're saying. Now, I haven't read a book in a, in a long time because I've been looking at a lot of television. I know it sounds kind of... <laughs> anyway, but um, I did read one James Patterson book like five years ago. And it was set in Washington, D.C. And um, I actually kind of liked it. I mean, it, it was... Because I couldn't find any any Robert Ludlum book, so I read a James Patterson. But anyway, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. Um, so what do you guys like when you're, when you're, when you come home from work and, and you taking care of all the family stuff, when do you guys find time to read? Because reading takes a lot of time. It seems like in our society, our time is being compressed more so than ever. Absolutely. Well, for me, um, I like to read at work, uh, on my lunch break, on my lunch break in case my boss is listening. <laughs> um, definitely on my lunch break. <laughs> um, and then I will read, before I go to sleep, I'll make a point of giving myself at least a half an hour uh, to read. And I try to keep it, the television and the electrics, you know, electrical stuff, the, the phones, the Kindles, they're not good for your eyes just before you go to sleep. And you get a better sleep if you do something like you're reading from an actual regular book. So I'll find time then to read. Uh, I also have an Audible subscription that I obsess over. Um, in fact, I sent you a book today, I just, Michelle. Yeah, I just got that one. <laughs> I saw that email when I got home. Um, so, yeah, I also do Audible, and I'll listen to books in the car on um, my commute home, or I'll listen to them while I'm working. So I was listening to your podcast the other day, and I, I'm, I, I marveled at how you guys took care of your bookshelves. <laughs> can we explore that <laughs> absolutely I think a, a bookworm's bookshelf is a source of pride and a source of obsession and I think I take mine a little further than Michelle's do, uh, does because I actually refurbish my bookshelf um, my bookshelf that I have that I'm very proud of it was um we currently live in the house that my husband was, a you know, his childhood home. And my in-laws had rented out the home. And they had this bookshelf that they had custom made. And it fit perfectly where my office is. And then the renters, uh, one uh, set of renters painted the bookshelf pink. It was this beautiful cherry wood bookcase. And one of them painted it hot pink. And then um, another set of renters came in, and apparently they were Raiders fans. 
And what is now my office was their uh, themed uh, Raiders room, and everything in here was black and white, including the bookcase, which they painted all black to go over the pink. And we spent approximately three years stripping this, ba this bad boy down. Wow. Stripped it down, took everything off. It was like this joint effort between the two of us, uh, mostly me for taking the paint off and then mostly him for the sanding because I got really, really frustrated and almost sent it, set a torch to it at one point. Um, he just restained it and and put it back, restored it back to what it was uh, from when he was a kid. And so that's my, my bookcase. And um, yeah, the bookcase is organized. We don't organize alphabetically. And I know a lot of people on Pinterest like to organize by color, which is incredibly just, it, it sends me into like shock and nervousness <laughs> uh, because you can never find anything. Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I've got an organized by how I find it. Um, I've got a shelf for my classics. I've got two shelves for books that I've read. I'm looking at my bookcase right now. Um, I've got two shelves, unfortunately, two shelves for books I need to read. And um, a bookshelf for uh, books that friends have uh, written. And then a bookshelf for the books that we featured on Wine, Women, and Words. Okay. So, um... Michelle, what, what about your bookcase? Mine's a mess right now. I um, I have to, to reorganize it, and it's actually driving me crazy. I walk past it every day. I'm like, I have books out and, like, stacked on top of other books that should not be stacked because there are books that are stacked, and they're supposed to be that way, and that's okay. But I have books that are stacked that should not be stacked, and this <laughs> this goes to show the obsession. <laughs> But I have, I have a shelf that's Wine, Women, and Words, and I am about to branch out to a new shelf, and that this is my problem. Um, and then I have a whole shelf of James Patterson, because James Patterson. First, first loves never die. I know, um, I'm Robert Lutlam all the way. <laughs> <laughs> and then I have my section for Emily Giffen, because she's my girl crush author, and... Uh, I just saw her like three weeks ago and forgot all the words in the world. I forgot them. <laughs> um, and then everything else is just kind of like, there is, it's chaos. And I have a section for a, a set of encyclopedias that, or encyclopedia, uh -huh. for any Ted Mosby fans out there, um, <laughs> that my husband got me for our first Christmas together that I absolutely love, um, but our dog, like, ate two of them, so I'm missing a couple letters. Okay, so, question. Since you guys can't give me a favorite book, has there been, have you guys ever read a book where you had to put it down because it was too emotional to, to kind of, like, you had to, like, you had to kind of... Put it in the freezer? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, nice friends reference there. Uh, yes, there's been a few in my life that have done that. Um, Outlander, the uh, first one, uh, did that to me. There is a very specific scene towards the end that is very intense and very vile, though she handles it with care. And it gave, the book gave me nightmares um, 
afterwards. And it took me about two or three days to be able to go back and pick the book back up. Um, the book that I just read, um, America for Beginners, I had to take a break from for a day uh, just because the um, it was a very emotional book. It's very touching and... Um, Sorry, it, that was my phone. <laughs> no it fell. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> um, but it was very emotional and... Um, and I got, I was starting to get a little stressed out uh, about it. So I had to step back from it for a little bit just to regroup. And you, Michelle? Um, the, the tea girl from Hummingbird Lane uh, oh. was our book a few months ago. And uh, there was a scene early in the book also that, I mean, it was, it was part of the, the culture, it's, it's a real part of the culture of that, the village that that book was set in. But as, as a parent, I, I had to, I had to put it down. And I, I even thought like, if this, if this happens again, I don't know if I can read this book because it's just, it's too much. So I, I put that down. It's a, an amazing book. I did mm -hmm. keep reading and it's amazing, but that was a very intense scene. I remember when I got the text about that scene and you were so upset because this is what happens when we're reading a book together. We get te we text each other um, like like often how people will do if they're watching a show together. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's how we are with books. And our schedules sometimes are so off that she'll get texts from me at like, she'll wake up to text from me. Actually, we wake up to, to text from each other because uh, she is a couple hours ahead of me in Chicago. So it's like, I'll wake up to text at like five o'clock in the morning and I'm still like drowsy with her freaking out over a book. And yeah, I remember the text specifically about that scene after she read it and she was like, please tell me, cause I was ahead of her and she was like, please, please tell me that it gets better than this. Please, t please tell me I should keep going. That's so That's awesome. So, <laughs> so was this during your podcast time or did you discuss this during your podcast? Lane we discussed on the podcast. Outlander was pre-podcast. Yeah, that was before. And I know what scene you're talking about, too. And that was, that was, uh, I mean, even when they, they have the series Outlander, too. And when I heard that they were making the series, I was like, are they going to include that scene in, in the show? I warned my husband about that scene, too. And he, the scene started and he couldn't take the scene. He couldn't take it. He, he was like, excuse me. And he had to get up and he walked outside walked out of the room and I had to tell him when the scene was over so that he could come back. Uh, yeah, it told, was that intense. I told my husband about it cause he's Outlander is one of the few shows that he will watch with me. Mm -hmm. And I told him, I was like, all right, we're coming up on the finale and it gets really uncomfortable. <laughs> so like maybe like go outside for a few minutes and, and come back because it's, it's a lot to, to handle. Mm -hmm. So talking with you guys, I'm thinking now, I'm kind of crystallizing why I like your podcast is because I don't experience like, it's something that I don't normally experience throughout the day where I can just hear people talk about something that they like. It's not, you know, it's not political. It's not, you know, you guys kind of leave all that behind and you just have, I mean, first of all, I love the way you talk about the wine. I can almost taste it every time you guys talk about it. Seriously. Um <laughs> It's not pretentious either. It's just like, I like this because, I like that because. 
So it's, it's very down to earth. And so then when you bring in the stories behind it, it's like something comfortable to listen to. You know, it's like, you know, it's kind of like, wow, you know, it's okay. I can, it's, it's very, it's very easy on the ears, you know? And so, so, so whoever's listening, this, huh? I was just pointing out to Michelle, we're easy on the ears. I know. I, I should put that like on a resume somewhere. Just FYI. Because <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'll remind my husband about that. <laughs> some podcasts is just like. <laughs> some podcasts is just like. I can always tell where they're going next, or or, or you can always tell that they're trying to like like just just go to the next subject and it's very choppy you guys don't you guys just have a really nice flow there is no you know there is no you guys ever watch Seinfeld yes so, so, so there is no awkward awkward pauses yeah. <laughs> Michelle's used to my ADD um so kid you not um back a long time ago when we were friends you know before the podcast my mind will just go a mile a minute. It just, I, I just move really fast sometimes. And it got to the point where we had to develop a saying when I was in that mode where I was just going constantly. If I had to change the subject, it was clean cup, move down from Alice in Wonderland. So we'd be talking be like, okay, this book and then this book. And then, okay, wait, clean cup, move down. Do you know what happened the other day? <laughs> once I get done with that story, hey, clean cup, move down. This is happening, and um, we just kind of got into this flow and rhythm where we can work well with each other on our conversations. I think partially because of that, because she learned to anticipate. Because she <laughs> randomly hear me yell, "Clean cup, move down." Um, <laughs> I'm gonna use that with my kids. I like that. I, like <laughs> I was telling um, Michelle, I was telling Diana, another thing I like about your podcast is when you interview the authors, you actually let the authors talk. Like, um, you'd be surprised how many podcasts I listen to where the interviewee talks more than the author or, or the person they're interviewing. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why have the person on if, we, if you're going to... It's almost as if they're trying to impress the person that they're interviewing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But you guys l- let the person just talk and, and you guys let the person just... It's like you're in the background and you're letting the person just really express how they feel about their book that, that they just wrote. You know, uh, Jimmy Kimmel said something once really good that struck a chord with me. Um, he was asked about interviewing and, you know, he learned how to interview on the job. And they asked him how, how do, what's your technique? And he's like, you know, when it comes to interviewing, it's not very hard so long as you're interested in what the other person has to say or what the other person knows. And that's something I've kind of really kept to with the show is, you know, with these authors, we are genuinely curious. Michelle and I are both trying to be writers. In addition to podcasting, we get so into these books that we want to know how these authors tick. And, so we want to know about them. We want to know about their lives. We want to know about this thing that they created that we're obsessing over. Um, I mean, just to give you guys a bit of a hint for uh, our show that's coming up this weekend, the 28th that we're doing. Michelle, I tease her all the time about this, but she's queen of 20 questions. Uh, so we'll have about 20 questions that sometimes we'll give ahead to the writers um, if we are on game um, <clears throat> where they they have the, the questions ahead of time, so they're kind of prepared for how we're going to go. 
but it's just a matter of just wanting to know what what goes on in their heads. That leads me to my next two questions I was going to ask you is, one, with your passion of reading and books, do you guys work in that field at all? And if you don't, are you trying to work towards it? or? Yes, we're absolutely trying to work towards it. Um, for me, I am, I've got a book that's written, and I'm trying to get an agent for it. And I'm also on the board for the Women's National Book Association LA chapter. And so I'm outside of my day job, uh, which I'm a paralegal, I'm really trying to, you know, work towards in that literary field and uh, whatever way I can. And then I'm, I'm a, a freelance journalist. So I write for a newspaper out here um, and do articles every week. Um, but I'm also a stay-at-home mom, so I'm with the kids all day, and if I have time, if I wake up early enough, and if I wake up on schedule, uh, hasn't been happening the last few days, um, I'm trying to write a book also um, that I've had rolling around in my head for like five years now. So if I actually finish it, the goal is just I don't even care if it's a bestseller. I don't care if it makes a ton of money. I just want to see one copy in a bookstore. If it's just one copy, I will be happy. That's all I want. Okay. Secondly, I want to ask you, um, I listen to podcasts about um, writers that create some of my favorite um, things I like to read or look at. And there's other writing too, other than books, like screenplays or, you know, Broadway or theater. Have you guys ever thought about possibly or short plays? I mean, is there something other than novels that, that, that you guys would like to write? Yeah, I've got a definite interest in screenplays uh, myself. Um, and right now, I since I'm in this position where I can, um, where I'm trying to get an agent, I'm taking the opportunity to learn how to write a screenplay. Because, I mean, the really the difference between a novel and a screenplay is uh, the difference between writing in a symphony and a pop song. Because, um, I mean, they both take talent. You've, you've got to know how to work the instruments. Um, but they're so, so different in their formats uh, mm -hmm. that it's, I have to take uh, some courses and, you know, actually study how to do a screenplay. Dang, Diana, look at you getting all sophisticated with your answers. <laughs> you know, sometimes I can get that too. I didn't know we were going, like, philosophical this evening. I didn't, I didn't pick the right wine for that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, randomly, I, sometimes I pull that smart stuff out of my hat. <laughs> so Michelle, how about you? Would you want to do something on theater-wise, or a screenplay, or or movie, or? Um, I don't know. To to be honest, I think sometimes I can picture my ideas in in my head so clearly that, and I can see the the action or you know whatever unfolding vi like visually in my mind that I think. I, it might be worth a shot trying to write um, a screenplay, but I've never tried it, and I've I've never taken any courses for it, so I don't really know. I mean, I I, I would never say never, I guess. Um, but for now, just trying to write this book is enough <laughs> for me. Okay. Okay. So um, my second, my, my my other question to that is, why don't you guys work together? Like on a, you guys do everything else together. <laughs> why not write a book together like like collaborate like you know come up with a concept and say wouldn't this be cool that we wrote that and then write this just curious just 
we've, we've, you know, there is a concept that we've kind of toyed around with that we've played with, um, but we kind of, we've shelved it for the time being just because I think I got caught up with, because my book is, like I said, it's at the point where I'm pitching agents, so it's finished, and Michelle's really trying to get her first story off the ground, and we've, we've kind of played with it, but it's, um, I don't know, we just, I think we've feeling caught up so much in our other projects that we already have going on that I think we just kind of, we're letting that simmer, I think, right? So I'm assuming? Yeah, I don't think, um, one thing that I, that I always wondered, and I still really wonder this, is how two authors can work together to create a single voice with with the character because there's so many different writing styles. Diana's writing style is different from mine, and you know, we are, we use our, our voices differently in our writing. So that always kind of blew my mind. But the project that we were working on was told from different characters' perspectives. When I thought that was brilliant because we didn't have to worry about conforming into a certain style or a certain mold or going like, oh, you can totally tell that you wrote that section and I wrote that section. Um, but yeah, I think we have a lot. I'm in grad school right now also, and I just, I couldn't commit to another project, but that's not to say that I want to finish it because I think it's a good idea. And I did a ton of research on it. <laughs> I don't want to go to waste. I think we will eventually. Um, I think right now, I mean, the podcast in and of itself has gone through a lot of uh, growth within the last three or four months. So I think we're still in some ways adjusting to that. And then, um, yeah, just getting these side projects. I mean, the, the book that I'm pitching now has been, what, three years in the making? Um, and so I'm almost at, I'm at the point where I feel like I often tell friends, I, I'm, I'm a woman at like the, that ninth month of trimester where your due date is like past and you're like okay i gotta get this kid out and i you know i'm at the point where i'm like i don't care if i throw myself down the stairs this kid's gonna get out i've got to get this book published um i just that's that's where i'm at where i'm like okay, i just want my book published and so that's my my second my second priority podcast and the book those are the two things that take up all my time so with your book has anybody has has michelle read it uh, not, <laughs> yes. not all of it, not in its entirety, but I've read chapters. Mm -hmm. So, has anybody read Diana, other than your your other? I mean, has any has any have you like like what is the okay? I guess what I'm trying to ask is for someone for someone on the cusp of possibly publishing a book, what is your process? Do you do you get input from other people? Mm -hmm. Do you um, like say read this? What do you think, or do you just like just give it to people that you're trying to get it published by? Um, I've I think it's really important to have you know a beta reader and have a critique partner. Um, I'm, personally, I'm not that big on doing uh, critique groups, uh, but I like uh, where I have a critique partner on the East Coast that I'll work with, and she and I will trade chapters with each other or books that we've been working on. And she and I worked on it. And then I actually hired an editor to help me through. And so she read the book in its entirety as well. Okay. What do you think the time frame of possibly getting published? I mean, I mean, do you think it would be this year or what's most likely? If, if I My goal is to get an agent by the end of the year. 
that's my goal. And then, you know, once I get the agent, then the publishing schedule and ideas come from after that, once I get that agent. Can I ask, is this a sci-fi book or? No, it's historical fiction. Okay. I, you know, by the way, I'm, I, I love history. I'm a history like <laughs> fanatic. So which time period did you write about? Um, I did the mid-1800s, and the story is about Anita Galdi. Uh, for those of you who, if that name sounds familiar to anybody out there, uh, her husband was Giuseppe Garibaldi, the man who united Italy. Uh, and so this is her story and her her views of, of Garibaldi, because um, he spent a good 10 years in South America before he went to Italy. That's a very, um, that time period was, was tough on everybody. Um, I mean, it was hard. I mean, life was hard in, in the 1800s. Yeah. yeah, and there was a lot of, we don't really talk about it that much, but there was a lot of um, fighting going on in South America during that time, too. And a lot of European influence. The French were fighting with the Mexicans. Mm-hmm. Um, England and France were both getting involved in different aspects of different countries. Um, in South America, and so that, there's a lot of European interplay going on with that. Yeah, um, the because of the resources, um, everyone wanted to grow coffee, and mm-hmm. and they couldn't grow it in their cold climate, so they had to take over <laughs> lands that could grow it, like South yeah, America. Coffee, coffee and sugar, all those things that we absolutely love that we can't live without now. Um, yeah, so... Coffee is a fascinating issue, but I don't want to get off track. Um, <laughs> so, Michelle, so Michelle, what is your what is your book about? Mine, well, mine is a fantasy, so it's kind of like a I don't even know how to describe it. Like not a sequel. It's it's like like a twisted sequel to The Wizard of Oz, kind of. That is, guess. but. But not really a sequel. It's like it's it's its own thing. <laughs> okay. Um, wow, that is like that could be so interesting because everyone. The reason why I say this is because everyone knows Wizard of Oz, so it's, there's an automatic kind of connection there. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, I, mean, I that that was my favorite. I mean, to this day, it's still I guess my favorite childhood book. I'm like backpedaling from my. I don't have a favorite book. But <laughs> my favorite childhood book um, is The Wizard of Oz, and I grew up loving the movie, and, like, my daughter's bedroom is Wizard of Oz, and I just, uh, it's been just part of my life forever, um, so I guess it would just make sense that my first book would be kind of about it, too, so... <laughs> You know, when I was um, when I was a child, I was an avid book reader. I would like order books through the mail and couldn't, couldn't wait they to, couldn't wait till they got here, you know, and open them up. But my favorite book as a child was *Wrinkle in Time*. Ooh, I just Ooh. read that like six months ago. Yeah, and um, but one book, one book really like altered, like scared me because I, I I had to stop reading it. It was about a guy who would just start disappearing slowly. Was it thinner? Ooh. No, no. When I say disappearing, not like losing weight, like fading from fading from existence. So he would go to McDonald's and someone wouldn't see him and, and ask the person behind him, what do you want? 
you know, he was just like fading from existence. And it kind of, I think I was too young to read that because I was always <laughs> checking my hands. Am I fading? Am I fading? <laughs> <laughs> Am I disappearing? Can you see me? Can you see me? <laughs> when I was a kid, I discovered Alfred Hitchcock, um, a collection of his short stories in our school library. And I was probably too young to read that as well. Uh, there was one in particular about a guy whose car had broken down and he stopped along the side of the road and a ghost was just hanging out over there and found his way into the car and found, and then he was haunting the guy's car and it was like a van or something. And so he was haunting the van so wherever this guy went, this ghost was in the car and that just stuck with me and it was like this comedic horror thriller story. Um, but yeah, as a kid, that kind of stuff freaks you out. Yeah, it does. It does. So, okay. So, um, so in closing, what what do you guys like? Um, what what do you guys see your podcast going? Like, you you guys uh, have a successful synergy. Where where would you like it to 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 evolve to? Oh gosh, um, I would love for well, total world domination. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we both have the same answer. <laughs> um, we're secretly evil geniuses, so we do want to take over the world. Um, one day, we will join uh, Bad Horses uh, League of Evil. Um, but uh, yeah, you know, um, I think I just I just wanted to just keep getting better and growing and evolving. I mean, I'm not opposed to it one day going to television. Um, but even just sticking as a po- as a podcast, because I mean, I think the podcast forum is just such a a cool forum because you get to be get into people's lives and you get to eavesdrop on people's conversations. Um, that hell, I'd like to just let it stay a podcast and just let it keep evolving. Okay, and you, Michelle? I I'm just. I love that number one, we've kept it going for, for this long. Um, I think, you know, when we first started, we, we had no idea what we were doing. Not that we have any idea what we're doing now, but um, we have a little bit more idea of what we're doing now. Yeah, we're, we're getting there. We're, we're, we've come a very long way. Um, but I mean, just to go from where we first started to like, you know, not a fixed schedule, and it would be like, oh, okay, well, Lily's still awake, so maybe in like half an hour. Totally, to, I, I totally understand that. <laughs> to like, you know, to now, you know, my husband gets home from work, and he goes, oh, you know, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, oh, it's Thursday. Like, how can you not know? Thursday night is wine, women, and words. Um, but can, can, can I speak that for him? We're guys. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but but it's it's come such a long way, and I'm so proud of us for for what we've done. That I'm I'm just having fun. Like wh- wherever it goes, I will follow it. I'm I'm just along for the ride. Really, I I love I love talking to authors. I love geeking out and picking their brains and this is a way for me to see one of my best friends every week since mm-hmm. I moved across the country from her so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so awesome okay 
Well, um, before we go, I, I would like a book recommendation and a wine recommendation from each of you. Ooh. Okay, so for book recommendations, okay, so you said you like mysteries and thrillers, right? Yes, love thrillers, like, yes. Okay, so I've got two recommendations. Okay. Uh, David Bell, anything by him. You remember him, right, Michelle? I do. Yes, we had him on the show a couple months ago, and he's got uh, one that just recently came out, whose title I cannot remember, so anything. Somebody's Daughter. Yeah, Somebody's Daughter. Was that the one that we had on? No, we had, oh gosh. This is why Uh, it takes two of us to co-host a show. Ah, um, I forget, but Somebody's Daughter is the new one that, that he just came out with. Or um, another one is Wendy Straub, S-T-R-A-U-B. Um, we're actually going to get ready to read her next month. Um, and her book is, and that's going to be our August book of the month. And we're going to be reading that and talking about that together. So you can join in with us on that. And in fact, we're actually, we do, periodically we do book giveaways. And we're going to have a giveaway for that one. Fantastic. And for you, for you Michelle? Oh, a wish and wine recommendation. Oh, um, I would say uh, if you want to try something besides a Merlot, I would recommend a Bordeaux. Okay. And then for me, uh, for your book recommendation, if you like history and thrillers, I would suggest um, The Semper Sonnet by Seth Margulis. Oh, yeah, that was a really good one. What time period did, what time period did he write in? That was um, Queen Elizabeth the First. Okay. Like, Peter, um, England, and present day, it flips back and forth. Okay. And I remember, John, you told me that you like Shakespeare. This has a, this is, this is a mystery that involves Shakespeare. Okay. So you really like that. I'm a Shakespeare-like fanatic. Yeah. yeah you, then, then you would love the Semper Sonnet. Yeah. Good point. Good. Spot on recommendation, Michelle. <laughs> and a wine recommendation? A wine to go with that book? Um, well, you like Riesling, so I... <laughs> I uh, know I love Riesling. Riesling is my favorite white wine. Um, my husband, he likes um, lighter wines too. So I would actually say a Moscato. If you like Riesling, you might like Moscatos too. I know you don't like them, Diana. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I suppose if you do like, they, they're very sweet. Um, so, and I don't like Moscato. Like I'll put it in like a punch with like something tart, like a cranberry juice. If you want to, um, if you're doing a party and you want a wine cocktail. Um, that's the only way you'll get me to touch a Moscato. Ooh, or a red Zinfandel. I really like red Zins. Yeah. Who with a red Zinfandel? So I really appreciate you guys, um, in a, being on part of my first podcast and, um, please listen, everyone that's listening, please tune in to Wine, Women, and Words every Thursday night on YouTube. If you follow, all the information will be on Twitter and check out their podcast. I guarantee you will love it. So thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And if you guys listen, uh, we're also on iTunes and Spotify and that drops every Friday. So if you want, if you don't want to get on YouTube, you can do that too. You guys turn around your podcast pretty quickly, huh? Yes. Yes, we do. Um, We operate on wine, coffee, and very little sleep. (laughs) Good story. Okay. Thank you again, Michelle and Diana. You can find Wine, Women, and Words podcast. You can Google it, or you can look it up on on uh, Twitter. They have a very 
good digital footprint. They're easy to find, and I highly recommend them. They have a very genuine podcast. If you if you really want to have really great content without the angst and without the uh, testosterone of trying to overcompensate and just let out all your crazy stuff because you have a free <laughs> medium to broadcast on, I would I would suggest their podcast. It's one of my favorite. So the next segment is what we're going to do every day is what I am watching. I am. I think we are in the golden age of television. So the shows I like right now are most of them aren't on. But one show that is on is called The Affair. Now The Affair I like because of all it's the exact opposite of every show that I like because none of the characters have any redeeming qualities. <laughs> you might say, well, why are you watching a show with no character? Well, the characters have no redeeming qualities because they're not afraid to explore the frailties or the flaws of human nature. And then on top of that, they're not afraid to leave the person in that state that they're in without trying to redeem them for the sake of the show to make you feel better as a watcher of the show. But they just have a story that they're telling and this is what's happening. And you may not agree with it, which I don't, or most people won't. Um, most of the reactions that people have to their crisis or the situation in their life are not the reactions that maybe you or I will have, but it's good to explore how people from their own inconsistencies of their life are able to respond in a negative way consistently <laughs> and the repercussions from it. And that to me, that's interesting to watch. Also, I like the way they film it. They film it and they, they may tell the same story from two or three different perspectives. So I see things one way and then they will tell the same story again from the other person's perspective. Like, what did I do leading up to this situation? And what did you do leading up to this confrontation? And how did that affect the way you handled the confrontation? And that's why I like the show because it gives you insight on why someone may react negatively, but at the same time, they're not trying to tie it up in a neat little bow just to satisfy or make you feel good as the, as as a watcher of the show. So the affair it comes on Showtime every Sunday. It's on its fourth season, and um, it should be wrapping up soon. What I just uh, what I liked about the show this time was that one of the characters got very bad news and one of the characters that as a relationship with the character got bad news, tried to do something about it, did not quite succeed. And the people that heard about the sobering news reacted in a way that you wouldn't expect them to react. But you're looking at it as going, why did you react the way that I thought you should react? Then they go into the backstory as to why. Even though it still it still should have had a little more empathy. That being said, it was good to watch. It was an interesting story. And so our TV recommendation or what I'm watching is The Affair. So tomorrow we're going to go into Better Call Saul. That's going to start soon. Also, Fear the Walking Dead is going to be starting soon. We'll be talking about that. And we're probably going to the trailers tomorrow that, it, that just came out on Comic-Con. So this is JFunds1. Thank you again, Michelle and Diana. Hope to talk to you again soon. And I am out.